Welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Chris. Good day to you. I'm psyched to be with you. It sort of reminds me of, I used to have this dog. Well, it was a friend's dog, but I spent a lot of time with this dog. And uh, this, is, this is a sweet old black lab mix and just a very enthusiastic pup. Rest in peace. And she, like most dogs love walks right and just get fired up and we play games with her we'd say hey Rikes you want to go for uh and she knew the setup and she'd just be excited and sometimes she just starts spinning around in a circle fired up what as humans makes us spin around in a circles that excited for me I have to say Preparing a podcast, having a notebook in front of me with a page of notes, thinking about this 20 minutes of conversation for the last two days, and then stringing them together and sharing them, that makes me uh, spin a little bit like a little pupper. At least that's how I feel this morning, so that's, that's a good feeling, that's a good feeling. This is Weather of the Mind 89. You can find Weather of the Mind at the website, weatherthemind.org, iTunes, Spotify, and... Please, if you got friends and family who would appreciate this type of show, please share it with them. My greatest weakness, I have to admit, is marketing. I am not a big social media person in the social media age. So, I have to get better at this. But I also ask you as my friend, listener, teammate, however you want to look at it, I want you to help me. I ask you to help me as a favor. So today is a very exciting episode. I say that a lot, but I said I get excited about these episodes. The topic is Fall Book Club. Fall Book Club is going to be a very relaxed course. And I'm going to put a syllabus for this course on the website under uh, a heading, Courses. So go to weatherthemind.org, click on Courses, and you can see a syllabus for this coming book club slash course. And the topic is Hanging Out with David Foster Wallace. And the book is Consider the Lobster and Other Essays by David Foster Wallace. The first day we're going to talk about this is Wednesday, September 9th. Because one of his essays is about experience of 9-11 as he experienced it when he was living in Illinois. And it's called The View from Mrs. Thompson's. If you're interested in enjoying four or five episodes, reading along with us and discussing, sharing your ideas, hearing my ideas, using this book of essays as a springboard for our, a lot of our fall episodes... If you're interested, grab the book as soon as possible because September 9th episode, just two weeks away, we'll start by talking about his essay, The View from Mrs. Thompson's. Let me start with a little bit of story, a little bit of image. In 2007, 2008, I had a really lucky house-sitting gig with a nice young lady who was my girlfriend at the time. 
looking over this house and watching it from about September, October through March, April. So a nice five or six month gig. And it was in an old farmhouse built in the 1760s in a rural little pocket of central Jersey, not that far from Princeton. And during this time and this farmhouse, it was like a six month retreat where it was just me and my lady friend and just not a lot of people around other than that. It was a great time for reading, for writing, for hiking, for working with learning plants and farming type of skills and also cooking and brewing beer. It was basically like a homestead immersion retreat and it was great and we learned a lot. A little bit, probably not enough social time for me. It was a good experiment for me to live in the country with just one person. I feel like my social needs were a little bit unmet. It would have been better if I had a job that got me out of the house. I was focusing on reading and writing and studying. In 2008, we were about to settle in to that housing gig for the second winter. And in September, there was news that David Foster Wallace had died of suicide. So he died September 12th, 2008. So this was in the news that September. I didn't really know a lot about David Foster Wallace other than the fact that he was recognized as one of the great contemporary authors. And I heard mostly about him as a fiction writer. His most famous book, Infinite Jest, was published in 1996. And this was recognized as the reviewers said, oh, this is the book of the year, right when they picked it up. Because not only did it... Not only was it full of this very detailed, insightful, honest, lowbrow and highbrow concurrently nature of David Foster Wallace's writing, but it was also infinitely large. 1,000 pages of small type and not your traditional 5 by, what is it, 5 by 9, 5 by 8 book. This is a big book. This is like 8 and a half and 11, 1,000 pages this is and was a beast he created. So I'm setting up for this five or six months of relative quiet time, this homesteading retreat. And I thought, wow, let me push myself. I'm not a great fiction reader. I'm much of a more nonfiction reader. Let me push myself. And as a tribute to this guy who just passed, let me join this cult of infinite jests. Let me read, let me, let me get this behemoth of a book. Let me climb this mountain. Let me hike this massive, it's like hiking, it's like committing to the Appalachian Trail. You know, I'm going to go hiking for five, six months, picking up this book, but I, I like endurance and I like a challenge. So I picked up infinite jest. I remember some sunny late September day. I remember driving over to the Barnes and Nobles, going in there, shelling out my $18, and then, wow, this, this, this brick of a book, come back, come back with me. So anybody who knows me knows that when I take off on a challenge, I usually complete it. But I have to say, I only made it through 70 pages of Infinite Jest that year. And it speaks to a few things. It speaks to, I really have a lot of nonfiction on my mind and I'm constantly studying and reading nonfiction, whether it's history or philosophy or essay writing about contemporary culture. 
thinking about how technology affects emotions, thinking about our emotional health, understanding how our, our body is connected to our brain. These are the things I tend to study. Now, a lot of these themes appear in David Foster Wallace's writings, but his density of fiction in, in this Infinite Jest piece, I was just getting kind of lost and not pulled in at the same time. So it didn't, it didn't catch me as a fiction piece. Now, my brother loves this piece. and I'm not sure if he's read it cover to cover, but he picks it up more like someone would pick up the Bible and just open up to a passage, hang out with this author he respects, and just read a passage, read a fiction passage, because his writing is so crisp and insightful. Now, his writing admittedly is a, is a different style than I often prefer. I tend to like minimalist writing. Think of Herman Hesse's Siddhartha. It's probably 120 pages, or the novella Old Man in the Sea by Hemingway. I like these. I like books that take place in one day sometimes. I like books that include just one or two characters. So for me, intellectually, it's a challenge to get into the Russian authors where you're learning a village of characters' names. It's tough for me to get into Infinite Jest where there are many, many characters and layers and worlds unto themselves. Now, I look forward to getting stronger or learning how to digest those books better. And hopefully this winter I'll be able to spend more time with the Russian fiction writers. Now again, I spend a lot of time with Russian nonfiction. I love learning about the culture. But in a way that helps inform the fiction for me. It gives me a, an understanding of the landscape. I digress. So David Foster Wallace, I pick up Infinite Jest. I try to hang out with him. I do for a number of pages. But I let it go. I let it go. But in the recent few years, I've been starting to pick up his essays. And his essays are shorter. They're, they're often 6, 10. Some can be as long as 50 pages, though. But they're more manageable than the, the whole terrain of Infinite Jest. And essays are nonfiction. Like this podcast, an essay is kind of similar to a podcast. Connect a few points, give the reader or listener something to think about, and send them out on their way. Take this podcast and then go for a walk. Read a few pages of one of his essays then go for a bike ride. There's a companionship in essays that I love, that I don't find as much in fiction, but I hope too. <laughs> I do, I have enjoyed fiction, but you could help me. How, how could I enjoy fiction more? So I began reading his essays. I spend time with one essay that is really important. that I, It's not in this book, but I'd like to include a link to a version online and include it in the syllabus. And this is his essay on TV in American culture, E Unibus Plorum, TV and US fiction. So look at the relationship between being a fiction writer and understanding the consumption patterns of TV in America. This is why I think he will be a great partner and contributor for a few months on this Weather of the Mind podcast because his themes are hope and despair and loneliness, the relationship with the self in a modern society that, that forces us to have a relationship with ourselves because of the quietness and the innate loneliness that many people feel. And these are themes that we touch on in the podcast. You can see 
why his his spirit and his thinking is certainly resonant. And this is what I try to do, connect and tie in different resources for us to investigate. He's very fascinated by the, the relationship to the individual and the consumer world, how the consumer world, how the entertainment world is a constant bomb to the, the spirit of the modern American. And he passed in 2008 before the last 12 years explosion of the further explosion of the internet and the cell phone. So when we read his evaluation of the TV, it is a bit outdated. However, it provides a lot of insight in how we might evaluate the role, the psychological, the emotional, the spiritual role of the cell phone in culture today. Let me uh, read a few quotes. I'm trying, to con- con- I'm trying to convince you to buy the book or take out the book of the library or take it off your bookshelf. Consider the lobster. This is the book we're talking about in two weeks. So if you order it today, you can get a copy of it. You can read this essay. You can follow along with us. I wanted to read you a few of the quotes in the beginning of the book where other writers or reviewers give endorsements. And I thought this would further whet your appetite into what his essays can provide you and can provide us in the months to come. So let me read a few quotes, as I love to do. This is by Michiko Kakutani from the New York Times. Quote, David Foster Wallace's reportorial pieces sparkle with the same sort of odd telling details and weird little observations that distinguish his liveliest fiction. This collection trains Mr. Wallace's acute eye, not inward at the solipsistic terrain of people's minds, but outward at the world. At politicians, at writers, at ordinary and oddball individuals of every emotional stripe. Like his best fiction, it reminds the reader of both his copious literary gifts and his keen sense of the absurdities of contemporary life in America at the cusp of the millennium. End of quote. Okay, this one is from Details Magazine. Does not say who wrote it. Quote, Consider the Lobster showcases Wallace's funny, observant side. He attacks subjects as varied as the Vegas Porn Awards, a main lobster fest, and the humor in Franz Kafka, with a voice that manages to be both Midwestern front porch digressive and scientifically rigorous. What more could you want? (laughs) That's me. Not the quote. And here's a quote from David Lipsky. David Lipsky wrote a Rolling Stone piece on David Foster Wallace. And there was a movie that came out in 2015 called The Last Tour, which features two writers hanging out. It's basically about Lipsky going to visit David Foster Wallace for the last stop on his Infinite Jest book tour. So if you have a chance to check that out, that's a great film. And maybe we'll watch that and do a little review of that as well. I'm still putting the syllabus together. I wanted to have it ready for today, but I'd rather take another day or two and just dial it in. And it will be adjusted as we go, but at least give you a sense of this mini course or this mini hang, this fall book club. Yeah, fall book club with David Foster Wallace. So here's a quote from David Lipsky, who wrote the Rolling Stone article. Quote, good writing graffitis its perceptions over the world. And it's impossible to get through a day without a Wallace line. After reading him, I feel buzzed up, smarter, I'm better company. Okay, let's give you one more. And this is from Peter Greer from the Christian Science Monitor. Can a serious essayist also traffic in style and glitz? 
David Foster Wallace finds a way. Wallace does not like irony. He does like serious issues, seriously discussed. These appear gradually, however, and reaching them is great fun, as the reader swoops and swirls and doubles back and races down the final reaches of Wallace's prose. Okay, so a lot of good things here. I introduced the book. I got to give you a feel for David Foster Wallace. A little, a few more little points on him. Just we'll pick up more his biography as we go along. But he was actually born in the same town that I'm recording this podcast, Ithaca, New York. He is his father at the time was a professor of philosophy at Cornell University. He was not raised here, though. He was raised in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, where both of his parents were professors. His mom, a noted professor of the year in English, and his father, a professor of philosophy. So you can see his parents' two big influences as someone who really is both philosopher, essayist, and fiction writer. So he was born February 21st in 1962. I have to note, also the same birth year as my favorite sports team, the New York Mets. <laughs> Side note. And he died September 12th, 2008. So as we read his September 11th essay and talk about it on September 9th in two weeks, we also can kind of give him a cheers and a rest in peace the week of his death. But I'm someone who feels like you create a lot of good art. You put a lot of your spirit into your work. He's very much alive. He's very much with us today. And we're going to hang out with him. You're going to hang out with him and me. And we're going to hang out with you. Give thanks. I mean, how, how much better does it get? <laughs> Before we head towards the exits, I want to share two quotes by Wallace himself to give us a little taste of his voice. First one comes from something else I think I'll put in the syllabus, and that is he gave a commencement speech in 2005 at Kenyon College, and it's called This is Water, Some Thoughts Delivered on a Significant Occasion About Living a Compassionate Life. So here's a quote from that. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline and effort and being able truly to care about other people and to sacrifice for them over and over in myriad, petty, little, unsexy ways every day. I thought that was kind of sweet. The real important kind of freedom. So we'll save this for a podcast when we talk about freedom and responsibility. Because some people say, oh, freedom is just, I don't have to worry about anything. But I think he realized that freedom without direction, without responsibility, without some devotion, without some orientation towards how you want to grow and what you want to be and what you want to serve. That's not really freedom. David Foster Wallace was the child of two devout atheists. And in that environment, he searched for meaning. He, he searched for, he joined churches. He tried to join the Roman Catholic Church, but I guess it didn't work out. They have a pretty rigorous process. And then he spent a lot of time in a Mennonite church. So meaning and exploring meaning were very important to him. He's a lot of thoughts on freedom and responsibility. And, and this quote, one more time, the really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline and effort and being able truly to care about other people and to sacrifice for them over and over in myriad, petty, little, unsexy ways every day. One more quote, and this is from Infinite Jest. This one's short and sweet. 
a little more like a quick maxim. You will become way less concerned with what other people think of you when you realize how seldom they do. You'll become way less concerned with what other people think of you when you realize how seldom they do. I'll let you digest that one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let that one simmer. Consider the lobster, but the main part of our syllabus. We're also gonna look at his commencement speech and another essay on TV that is not in the book. It's gonna be five or six weeks. There'll be a syllabus posted under the uh, heading labeled courses on the weatherofthemind.org website by tomorrow Friday. Please uh, drop me a line, let me know what you think. Let me know if you're excited about this fall book club. It's gonna be great. I look forward to spending some quality time with you. Please have a great day. Remember, foundations, foundations, hydration, exercise, cooking yourself some good meals, spending some time with someone who you care about, who cares about you, and also, the foundation of awareness. And this goes back to the present moment sucks podcast. And that is what I realized the wisdom of the present moment is, is what I would say, instead of using the phrasing present moment, I would say awareness as foundation. It's one of the foundations. If you're not feeling, if you're feeling very anxious or depressed and you're getting lost in the worries of the future, or you're getting overwhelmed in the past, exercising, eating, and being aware of that experience. That's what the people mean when they say the present moment has great value. I still don't like the phrasing. I'm going to say awareness as found. It's another foundational thing. Just like being hydrated. Just like exercising. Just like eating well. That level of awareness. Appreciating what's going on in this day. Not totally burning this day and sacrificing this day for 10 years from now. Not burning this day up and sacrificing it for 10 years ago. So that's my compromise with the present moment community and quote unquote present moment community. I think it should be phrased awareness as foundation and just this notion of foundation. The foundations are the things that we rely on day in, day out to keep us strong. When the storms of life smack up against us as they inevitably will, we do not get overwhelmed. We have rituals. We got foundations to hold on to. All right. Much love to you. Living and learning one week at a time. Be well. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.